You're listening to KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and we're a part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as colleges and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, how did they get that job? Or what is that job even really like? Then keep on listening. We would like to remind our listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. And today, we're joined by Emma McLaren. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Emma McLaren has had, she's apparently gone through several careers, but she's here to talk to us about being a sustainable seafood consultant. That's right. Yes. All right. Wonderful. Well, if we can start, what is a sustainable seafood consultant? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a real pleasure um, to talk about my sustainable seafood career, and especially in Santa Cruz, where ocean conservation, ocean-focused jobs are available, and it's also a big part of the value of the city. I'm not originally from here, but it is definitely part of the global view of sustainable seafood. So I invented Sustainable Seafood Consultant. It didn't exist when I graduated from a master's degree. So I earned a master's degree in marine management, which is a focus on the resources in the ocean, coastal zone, and occasionally internal water bodies. However, it's primarily the marine ecosystem. And that was a small program in Canada. There aren't very many of those programs to begin with. And I spent a year doing that. At the end of that master's, I had a skill set that didn't seem to fit anywhere. And so I invented it. And that was how being a sustainable seafood consultant began. And now there are more people who are working and have careers as sustainable seafood consultants. But I was definitely at the beginning of that and recognized that as I came out of my master's program. And you did your master's program. I I looked this up. I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. Dalhousie University. Dalhousie, yes. Dalhousie. Dang it. Dang it. I even tried to look up the phonetics. (laughs) Uh, south end of Halifax in Canada. Yes. Wow. On the east coast of Canada, a um, relatively small school. There are also some programs in the United States. There's a very cool one in Iceland, and there are a few in the UK focused on everything marine management. But the program I went to as a Canadian was the one in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And there were 13 of us in my graduating class, and it's the only program in Canada. So you can imagine that it's very niche and very specialized. And then within the master's, everyone focused on slightly different areas. Now, I am a scuba diver. That was what I said I was forever, regardless of my job. Scuba diving, I started at the age of 17, and and fell in love with scuba diving and the ocean. When I went into the master's, I thought, I'm going to save the whales. I'm going to save the turtles. I'm going to save the coral reefs. This is what I am going to do. And that's what I 
intended to focus on. Reality set in a few months into the program where I realized I didn't take science in high school. Therefore, I didn't take science in my first degree. Most of the people who were in conservation and who were doing the studies of whales and turtles had a science background, and I was not a scientist. So just real quickly, what was your first degree and where did you go to school there? Yes. So another school in Canada. Again, I'm Canadian, so a bit of a transplant here in Santa Cruz. I did an undergrad degree at a university called Queen's University in Ontario. I focused on international relations and history. At the time I did that degree, which is back in the early 2000s, development studies, international relations weren't quite as popular as they are now. So you had to major in something besides that because you couldn't just focus on international development. And now I can definitely see how the two focuses in your undergraduate studies did not have much sciences involved. (laughs) And so how did you get over that hurdle when you realized what you got into in your master's program? Yes, it was a bit of a shock. I did have an idea that it would be a detriment to studying an area such as marine science. However, I knew there was a way. And one of the life lessons that it taught me was sometimes your doors are closed, either because of choices you made in the past or circumstances beyond your control. And I will tell you that while I'm grateful and love the life that I've had and where I am today, sometimes I feel like I could have talked to that 16-year-old Emma and told her to buck up and go take science instead of gym (laughs) and Spanish. However, it was part of the circumstance. I did look for a moment to do a marine biology degree and to go back to school to take sciences. At what, when, at what point did you look into doing this? Right around the same time I discovered marine management. Okay. I had worked with a bit of a counselor around that time of figuring out my next career. And one of the things we talked about was what are your passions? After my undergrad, so going back to what I call my first career, after my undergrad, I did a number of random jobs. I worked in a child care research study. I worked in immigrant women settlement services. I worked in environmental campaigning. Wow. So a lot of really random, interesting, but not necessarily coherent. And so I started looking at a career, this, this, this elusive career that everybody was focusing on. And I realized that my passion for the ocean was strong. And I didn't necessarily want to be a, a scuba master or scuba instructor. I wanted a real job. And so with the help of a counselor, I thought, I know, I'll go become a marine biologist and save the whales doing that. When you start looking into it, it would have been another four, five, six, seven, eight, of nine, course, ten yeah. years, especially because I didn't even have basic high school science, let alone basic, you know, university science. So it would have been a large leap or a large undertaking. And so it was a question of figuring out a way around it and also just accepting that that's part of 
That's where you the were. Journey. That's yeah. where I was, right? And what else could I do that had something around it? And in that same period where I was exploring this career, I come from a very well-educated family, as well as a group of friends who all pursued master's degrees. They had done a number of different subjects, but since we graduated our undergrad, everybody had done a master's degree. My sister was finishing up her PhD. Everybody else in my family had a master's, and I was behind. I felt behind, and yet I knew I wanted to do some sort of school, some sort of master's degree. And so that was the focus, and just figuring out what exactly that was going to be was a big part of that period. And during that period, I explored a number of different ideas and a number of different options. And I talked to everybody. I talked to former bosses. I talked to random people that random people introduced me to. I talked to all of my mom's friends, all of my sister's friends. I spent an awful lot of time on the phone talking to people about their career. If this had been a resource of mine, I would have listened to every single one of the episodes <laughs> of What to Be. I would have scoured everything just learning. And I can pinpoint the exact moment that changed my life in the career as a sustainable seafood consultant, which was on the phone with a former boss, Garanka. And we were talking through ideas and talking through things that I was interested in. And we talked about the ocean and how I wanted to do something related to the ocean because I loved scuba diving. And her husband from the other room, listening to Garanka on the phone, yelled out, what about marine management? <laughs> and I honestly had never, ever heard of it. I had no idea that such a degree or career or opportunity was out there for me. And that was the moment, right? It's like all of these ideas and efforts, and you see these little moments of catalyzation. And that was the moment. And from that moment on, I Googled, I called, I reached out, I emailed all the programs, and one thing led to another and I ended up in the marine management program at Dalhousie. But it's so interesting to think that that random call with an old boss and not even her, but her husband in the next room set the way for this amazing career. That is amazing. It, yeah. I'd almost, I want to say by chance, by right? Because in, in the moment it feels like it, but yeah. it's, it's not necessarily just chance because as you just explained, you were working, you were calling out as many people as you can, asking questions. That's been such a major theme for us is everyone who comes in finds they, they find a form of success or progress in asking questions. So we, we really want to stress that. That's incredible that you had that happen for you. Yes. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're joined by Emma McLaren, who's talking about her career as a sustainable seafood consultant, a career in which she created, which is, again, fascinating. So we it sounds like we've gotten to the point in your story where you... you, you you had this chance moment of someone said, what about marine management? And you're like, yeah, what about marine management? So how long between that point 
and the point at which you jumped on board at Dalhousie? That is a great question and also a, an interesting story. That phone call with Granko was near the middle to end of August. Now, anybody who has ever applied to school knows that applications do not go in in August. They go in a year before August, and you can't jump on board. So I discovered the solution. I discovered the way. I found the program basically a month or less than a month before it started. So I had to figure out what I was going to do the whole year. So it was an entire year before I started the master's program. But I was determined not to make that a wasted year. So I did a lot of pre-education. I had been out of school for close to six years. Again, that feeling of being behind in the world that I existed and the, and the norms that were part of my friend group and family group was that you did a master's right after your undergrad. So having spent five years out of school seemed like a lifetime. And I did a couple of courses at my local college in economics. I did something in marine ocean oceanography to do some prerequisites. And I got some temp jobs at the same time. And so I tried to make the most of that year but focused on the application. One of the benefits of that was by the time I gave in my application early and did a number of outreach phone calls and visits, I ended up getting a full scholarship for the program. So while the timing wasn't great, it made a big difference in the long run. And now I don't think twice about that year, but I do think it's a funny part of the story that I discovered this master's program at the wrong time. Yeah, just you said it was just a month before the program actually started, huh? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But that's great that you, you knew you couldn't just waste this year. You made it, you put work into it, and then you got a full scholarship. That's, Which made a big difference yeah. um, going into a master's um, degree, having been unemployed essentially on and off for years I didn't have a huge amount of savings, and so that made a big difference to, the, to my possibilities within the program. And the program was one year, which was also great because I knew at the time that I didn't want to spend necessarily forever in academia. The other area that interested me with this program in particular was the fact that it was very career-focused, very applicable. The management, so it's marine management, a master's of marine management. So a management degree, a master's of management degree, people will do business administration, right? That's management. You can do resource management. So a management degree helps set you up for managing, for going into a job or a career where you're managing people or managing projects. So that was really important for me because I had this idea that I was probably pretty good at project managing and people managing from some of my previous jobs, that I was really delighted that it was something management focused. And then the marine element was my interest, was my passion. And sometimes I talk about passion adjacent careers you will come across a lot of individuals who talk about following your passion. 
And while I believe this is a good way of looking at your career, I can remember I worked as a lifeguard and swimming instructor as a kid or as a a young adult as a kid because I loved swimming and I loved the water and I was a water baby and that's a big part of my, my story. And I can tell you, I hated swimming for about a year or two after I finished these jobs of um, swimming instructing because it took something I loved and it made it work. And even when you're in your dream job and dream career, it's it's still at the end of the day, it is work. Um, and you won't love every day and you won't love every task. And while I loved being in the water, there were a lot of elements about swimming instructing and, and lifeguarding that I did not like. So it, so it it made me dislike swimming. And that was the last thing I wanted for scuba diving. I loved scuba diving. And so following my passion would have potentially led me to being a scuba dive instructor or dive master, which is very cool. Lots of people do that all over the world. You can do that in Thailand and Indonesia and Mexico. It's very cool. But the thought of hating scuba diving was not something that I wanted to have happened to me. Of course. So the idea of having a job that was somewhat related, but adjacent. So just next to it, just something around it. So doing ocean conservation or sustainable seafood consulting was around scuba diving and involved the ocean, but but allowed me to still love my passion, which was scuba diving. Right. So that that's passion adjacent. Passion Amazing. adjacent. Like, yes. And now I understand. I admit <laughs> I, I wanted to ask about that because I didn't when you wrote about it. That's really cool. Um, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned in that uh, going into a, a management degree, you you were happy about it because you recognized that seemed to be one of your strengths, right? Uh, in, in managing projects and managing people. How do you think you were able to, A, build that as one of your strengths and B, how, how did you recognize that? Yes, I think this this takes me off on a, on a bit of a tangent, but sure. I promise not to go too far. I have been bossy as a kid. I was a bossy <laughs> kid. Um, there's some really lovely change of language that's hopefully being introduced a bit further where some might have said I was a leader rather than being bossy. Mm-hmm. It was something I loved to do with my stuffed animals. I loved to do with my toys. So as a kid, I would organize events. We would do um, dance recitals, and I would often be the lead choreographing or organizing. So I think there was something in me that I recognize as that leader and organizer. My sister is very similar. My cousins are very similar. My parents are very similar. So while this is a skill you definitely learn and build, and it's not, you know, um, something I'm born with, it was helpful to have people around me that were strong in management and strong in organizing, strong in tasks and timelines. I also did a whole bunch of different jobs in all those years. 
I can't even think of the other jobs. <laughs> um, I, did, I did a number of different jobs where I was both project managing and people managing. And it just seemed to be something other people recognized in me and something that I was willing to take on. There's a lot of risk in that. There's a lot of confidence, which isn't always real. <laughs> sometimes it's, sometimes you have to fake it a little bit. But managers, when you're, when you're, when you're taking on that responsibility for either people or projects, it's really important that you have the confidence and that is built from within and then also built from those around you and those who support you. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're joined by Emma McLaren and learning about her career journey to becoming a sustainable seafood consultant. We would like to remind our listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Information provided during this program does not necessarily reflect this career in its entirety. How long after you finished your master's program did you create your your career as a sustainable seafood consultant? It was a few months. I found myself floundering after my master's. I graduated in the fall of 2011, and by the winter-ish of 2011, I was living with my sister, not knowing what to do, and it was at that moment where I, I called up a restaurant owner who was presenting at the Boston Seafood Show, which... If you're in anything seafood related, you'll know is the largest gathering of seafood professionals in North America and the second largest in the world. I just said, hi, my name is Emma. I'm a sustainable seafood consultant. Can I help? And his reaction was the result I was looking for. It was, oh my goodness, I didn't even know that that existed. <laughs> yes, of course you can help. Can I pay you to come and give the presentation for me in Boston and put it together? Can I pay you to look at my restaurant's supply chain? And that was essentially my first job, my first contract as a seafood consultant. Wow, that's an incredible display of courage. Um I feel like we should talk about what a sustainable seafood consultant yes. is. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We've gotten so much story now. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about <laughs> what a sustainable seafood consultant actually is. On your website, it says you've worked with SeaWeb's seafood. Oh, I wish I wrote this down better. What is the rest of it? SeaWeb's seafood. Can't remember. <laughs> oh wow! Look at my notes. There's the. Catchbox Project, the yes. Sustainable Seafood Initiative with the World Wi Worldwide Wildlife Foundation. Yeah, WWF, yeah. The WWF, and you generated the first ever global comprehensive analysis <laughs> of salmon aqua aquaculture standards. What does any of that mean? So when I became a sustainable seafood consultant, and actually there's a really interesting video that we could potentially um, link to where I did an entre slam about this. I just started telling people because I was, you know, this was part of my identity. Seafood generally impacts people more than they think it does. So a sustainable seafood consultant thinks about where that 
seafood comes from. You're eating salmon. Is that salmon from a farm? Is that salmon from the ocean? What part of the world is that from? And does that make a difference? If you care about your environmental footprint, does that make a difference? People have questions. Lots of people have questions all along what we call the supply chain and all along the consumer side of it as well. At the beginning, I worked at the small end of the scale with community-supported fisheries. Now, there are community-supported fisheries all across the world, and I helped in Nova Scotia. And then in the UK, I also worked on the first community-supported fishery in the UK. This brought together individual households and fishermen. That was massively rewarding. I was able to connect people with their food, connect them with the fishermen. Lots of people are familiar with community-supported agriculture. So you get your veg box or you get your you know vegetable box straight from the farmer. You know you're supporting your local farmer. It was similar for fish. And then I started working my way to larger scales, worked my way up to restaurants. This was primarily in the UK where I started my career, working with restaurants and looking at where they were getting their seafood. Were they getting it from good sources or bad sources? So that's an area of sustainable seafood consulting that uses the science and the reliability of institutions like the Monterey Bay Aquarium to help restaurants make decisions. And was this uh, on on your website? It says uh, you've traveled, it was 11 times around the world in 800 days. Was that part of this this job? (laughs) So Sustainable Fisheries Partnership is an amazing organization, about uh, quite small. They are an international remote organization. So there are no offices, there are no headquarters, everybody works from home. Now, whether your home is a hotel, or your home is actually home, or your home is a beach, or your home is a cafe, you work from home. This is becoming more common these days, remote working. It's a big part of the future of work. It's also very challenging. Do not get me wrong. There's a lot of isolation, a lot of loneliness, and it can be challenging to do management remotely. However, it provided me an opportunity to work from anywhere, to have a well-paying job that I worked very hard at, long days. So I was on calls almost at any time with Indonesia, New Zealand, Spain, Mexico, Canada. You're always working. So having boundaries, having limits, it can be really challenging. And yet it allowed me to work from all these places. Now, let's say there's a student who's listened to this, they're thinking to themselves, I, I might want to be a sustainable seafood consultant. What are some of the main characteristics that they should be building for themselves to make that a dream come true? So the first is to look at where you're at. So whether you're a high school student or a college student, just to look at where you're at, look at what you've done so far and put them all together. For example, I did event planning, I spoke French, I didn't have science, and just kind of look at to where, where you're at. And then just do a bunch of research. If it is something, right, if you want to be in ocean conservation, but you want to work on a more practical application, if you want to be a marine scientist, but you also want to look at the more applicable nature of that, reach out. There's lots of 
resources out there, all the universities that offer the program. Nowadays with Google, I would, you know, look at Google and I would see if you kind of fit into that. And there are ways of experiencing that in a virtual nature by talking to people who have done the program. I think the underlying characteristic of almost everybody I know who works either as a seafood consultant or a fisheries manager or an ocean conservationist is a love of the ocean and some form. So you have your surfers and your scuba divers and your swimmers, and you don't even have to be in the water to appreciate the ocean. But there is this underlying element of the love of the ocean, which really helps spur you on because there it's a tough job there there's a lot of requirements in it so yeah we work really hard but we know we're we're trying to do something better we're trying to improve sustainability trying to improve sustainability of the oceans and ensure there's a fish in the ocean but my selfish reason for wanting to know why there, for wanting there to be fish in the ocean is because I'm a scuba diver so I was very selfish to go into sustainable seafood consulting because if we managed how many fish we ate then when I went scuba diving I could see lots of fish <laughs> and that motivated me a lot of the way and of course it's a joke but at the same time it is a very personal motivation to ensure that the place that I love is being well-managed and well-maintained so that I can enjoy that space forever. Beautiful. Is there anything else you'd like to send our listeners off with? I just want everybody to realize that it's never too late. I was the eldest in my master's program. I was the last of my friends, the last of my family to do it, but it was worth the wait. You don't have to do it forever. Knowing when to quit or knowing when things end or ending things in a graceful way is also a way to have a very satisfactory, successful career. And that the little things, that random phone call, opening myself up to the possibilities of applying to a job that I was way underqualified for, sometimes those little actions will change your trajectory completely and bring you into a whole new world. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here today, Emma. I really appreciated this. My pleasure, Jacob. My pleasure. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and you're listening to What to Be with today's guest, Emma McLaren, who discussed with us today her career as a sustainable seafood consultant and is currently the CEO and founder of Mirth, the digital wellness technology company. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid in Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>